0: Welcome to Quest for the Questions, Temple Salal's podcast. I'm Terry Wonder, and I'm here with my co-host, Rabbi Alexis Burke. And we are closing out three parts of Hanukkah and end of the year questions from our community. And it has been so fun and such an interesting delight so far.
1: I love it. I just love the questions. I find myself getting all excited when you're going to start playing the question. Should we get right into it? Yeah.
0: Let's do it. Hi, Rabbi Burke. This is Fisher from religious school. My question is, how did they get the name of of Hanukkah?
1: That's a good question, Fisher. that, That is a good question. That question, Hanukkah, means dedication. And the story is, of course, about rededication of sacred space after the destruction of the temple and the clean out and renewal. Um, where the oil is found.
0: Is there a reason why it's not called the re Hanukkah if it was a rededication? <laughs> is that even.
1: Well, I sort of love the spiritual notion that it's always a fresh mm. dedication. And that as a community, I think we dedicate ourselves to each other. We think about what commitment we make internally. We. I, I just, I love the notion that this is all about dedication. I think too much in our secular culture keeps trying to make our lives easier by making things mostly not fulfilled with commitment or mm-hmm. you don't have to dedicate. You don't have to commit. You don't have to pay now. You can always cancel low bar to entry. Yeah. But I, I think Judaism has always asked there to be a higher bar and that the relationships are covenantal. The ask is not nothing the the expectation is that we show up fully with heart, soul, mind. It's it's not nothing. It, and I I ultimately think this holiday is really about that. It it's a story where actually it took it you know the Maccabees were considered zealots. I love mm. to study that concept too that like the heroes in our tradition are often very counterculture. Mm. And yet you know, we think people who are counterculture now are kind of freaks. You know, <laughs> yeah. And they sh- de- zealotry is dangerous. Mm. The Maccabees were really, really radical, violent. You know, yeah. They they got it done. <laughs> it, wasn't it wasn't pretty. But <laughs> it yeah, wasn't pretty. Yeah. I mean, and so you know, I've there's been a lot of teaching over the years that I've done. Uh, where it's been fun and, and learning where it's been fun to explore how unlike Maccabees reformed Jews are and mm. h- how, how zealotry is not really our brand. Mm. Um, you you, th- you think that's true? You think reformed Jews are not? Well, I think we, we've, well, it's interesting. It's a good question because the con- the consideration is really reformed Jews love to consider themselves descendants of the prophetic tradition. The prophets mm. were, I I don't know if they were zealots, but they were very, I always say prophets are very cranky. (laughs) If you read prophetic writings, the prophets are constantly like, you guys, (laughs) how many times do I have to say it? It's not about ritual. It's about intention. Don't forget the widow, the orphan, the stranger. Stop with your high priest (laughs) behavior. Stop with all the formalities. When you forget the beauty of just human connection and And they spoke with with the voice of God. Now, we love to read these writings. We do every week in the Haftarah selection on Shabbat morning Mm -hmm. and every holiday. But we're really quoting people who are constantly like, in the name of God, being like, you're forgetting the point. You have missed the point again. The point is...
0: That feels like a real Jewish dinner table thing to say. Which, that you're missing the point? Yeah. Like, guys... Come on! Yeah, <laughs> like somebody that just that a uh, sentiment feels f- incredibly familiar and Jewish to me.
1: Yeah, so Hanukkah is, you know, uh, the the root of it means dedication, and you know the story has such a a violent reclaiming, and that's to your question, like why is it not rededication, mm-hmm. a reclaiming, but really. I also kind of love the idea, I think, Terry, you may have heard me say, I I, I have this pet peeve when people are like, you know, we should bring back the (laughs) the (laughs) Mm fill-in-the-blank. I don't believe Mm -hmm. in bringing back things. And even the the sacred space that was destroyed, it really had to be created anew. Mm -hmm. And bringing back things is not something that Jews really do. We sort of make adaptations and walk forward and for people so steeped in tradition, that may sound weird because, but if you note, if you study the entire, you know, long rope of Jewish history, there are strands that are echoes of tradition, but there's always a new strand attached mm-hmm. to make this rope reach from antiquity to today. Mm. It's it, if, any big, strong rope, like a nautical rope or the kind you used to climb and burn your legs on mm-hmm. in gym class. Oh, yeah those are not one strand the whole way through. Mm-hmm. They, they have like attachments right. that make the thing continue. And I think we have attachments and adaptations and that's why this rope stretches so far back and does not, in my opinion, you know, every study that comes out that's like, I don't know, Judaism's decreasing. <laughs> Jewish engagement is not. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. we're going to be the generation that kills it once and for yeah. all. They're, they're, I don't accept that. I yeah, this, I mean, and it's so funny this because... Is like
0: Saturday Night Dead.
1: <laughs> right, right.
0: So SNL has lost it again to everybody. Like, yeah, okay, every five years.
1: Right. <laughs> it's not as good as it used to be. Okay, okay, <laughs> uh, maybe. Sure. But it's so funny because whenever people start down that road of like, you know, this generation, I'm telling you, they just don't care. They don't love Israel. They don't care about mm. ritual. They don't join things. All of that. I'm like, I don't accept any of this cynicism. I don't want to talk about it. We're asking the wrong questions. What is this generation coming to teach us about the latest adaptation of Judaism, which Mm. will be the path to our future? You may not like it. It may not feel familiar. It may seem scary. But that's true of every generation of Jews. And that's how this rope is so strong. So Mm. if you're worried that this generation doesn't like Israel, doesn't care about ritual, doesn't join things, doesn't seem to marry, you know, doesn't seem to all the things that scare you. Mm -hmm. I say, don't be afraid of any of it. Let's just calm down because...
0: At any point in history that there is some version of that you everybody
1: saying. every generation says that, and there's a st- there's now there are even studies that'll confirm it. I'm like, okay, and you know people find the fact that it, it sounds really passive what I'm saying mm-hmm. like I'm just not gonna worry about it, but it's really not passive because I spend every single waking moment of my life building right and it would be a nourishing. concern if
0: you were not in your position <laughs>
1: or not quite as. You know, frenetic about my position, sure, as sure. I am. but I just think i I'm busily enjoying very vibrant Jewish life, mm-hmm. so I do not really have time to worry that it's on the brink of death. And, you know, a dear friend of mine, Dr. Michael Cohen of Tulane in New Orleans, came when we first uh, when I first moved here, he came as a scholar in residence for one evening and told the story of because he's a Jewish historian. That every generation says that Jews are on the brink of almost dead. Mm-hmm. Every generation, and you know what it's called when you're almost dead but busy living, hmm. busy living. Mm-hmm. I mean, enjoying, creating, yeah. reimagining, and dedicating. And Hanukkah is a time where we thought it was almost over for us. Mm-hmm. It's like every generation that thinks it. We, we, I mean, this sometimes it's abject violence and sometimes it's just like insidious apathy whatever it is right we're always like ugh, this is probably going to be it and i guess i just find that highly insulting <laughs> and very improbable uh-huh Am I, is it on my watch that this is all going to unravel right. this whole rope it's a it's a gr- it's a
0: really interesting prompt for uh thought during the hanukkah season two of you know what fisher is asking of what is it what is the name or as the name origin of Hanukkah and what you're saying around dedication is really a question could potentially for everybody to think about of like what is your specific dedication Mm -hmm. to Judaism, Jewish community, Hanukkah, whatever the, the avenue of Judaism that you're finding most important these days and like are you feeling good and confident in that like do you you have a dedication or you have found one and if not what could that be you know we i've had a lot of people at the temple recently ask me about like what social action like things are available to them and i'm like well what is the thing you're going to create that's the thing that's going to be available to you because mm-hmm. right. that's how these things exist there's very few of us that work here and very many people who don't <laughs> you know so i think that's one of the i think that could be really interesting for people to think about during this time and i'm not sure how prevalent that is, you know, in common practice during the holiday.
1: It's the only way. And I think this was the conversation we started on Rosh Hashanah morning also, Mm -hmm. that like what we want out of life is completely available here. That's the great news. Mm -hmm. The even better news is it will be and can be and should be and probably you know, will unfold if you create it. We will throw the entire weight of this community's Communication, muscle, devotion to almost any idea Mm -hmm. that actualizes a dedication to vibrant Jewish life in the realm of social action or or tikkun olam, in the realm of spirituality, in the realm of learning, in the realm of family, connection, eating. Quest
0: for the questions live
1: in January. Check your email inbox. Exactly. Anything you ask for and are willing to help co-create, we can do. I am always jumping around screaming about the fact that to create a synagogue is to be almost completely unfettered. Mm-hmm. So any frustration we're having is entirely fixable by us. If we feel like it's not doing it for us, what what is? Why don't we just make it? Mm-hmm. Just but what the secret sauce is, is to Fisher's question. Is the dedication. Yeah. That's sincere community. It it's not it's not superficial and and meaningless it's real so that takes effort Yep. and i think the interesting thing about the hanukkah themes are are just to, to fisher's question what it all means anyway and the you know the old entire jewish joke of you know they tried to kill us, we won, let's eat. Yep. Being the the you know the theme of every Jewish holiday. Yep. But that the brinksmanship in that joke that Jewish community perceives it's always hovered around. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're almost they tried, we fought back, but does it take a real effort to um do we have to perceive an active effort to try to Eradicate us <laughs> to give us the dedication to fight for what's beautiful and mm. and worth living in Jewish life. It'd be better if we didn't need an external threat, but rather an internal fire. Mm-hmm. That'd be that'd be my preference. You know, I I keep saying we had a, we had that last um, I don't know in what order these podcasts are sure. coming, but we've had conversations a lot in Temple life around anti-Sem- anti-Semitism recently, and I always say anti-Semitism is the my least favorite unifier. Uh, yeah. Oh my it's gosh. It's such Absolutely. a yucky unifier. Absolutely. But, and I don't know how to feel about the fact that like we can get everybody to engage if we have that. Mm-hmm. If we, if, if people get in a, in a real state of yeah. fear, anxiety around anti semitism, Oh, we'll circle the wagons and we're all coming in. But like, do i really really hate to give that power away to an external threat when we have the power Mm -hmm. inside ourselves i i I really hate to 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 give that away and i really don't like it when i feel like that's the that's the best source
0: i'll take unifying around hope and promise over
1: 100 hate
0: any day but it's so much harder to rally that kind of that kind of thing I i
1: don't want that to be true about human beings yeah can you fix that?
0: Yeah, I'm on it. Okay. I'll I'll fix it in the edit.
1: I know you have a lot of li- you have a lot of lists. <laughs> so put it on your put it in one of them and see what you can do.
0: Well, thanks Fisher for the question.
1: Great question. That basic, awesome. basic and profound. I mean, el- fundamental, not basic, not basic in a simple way, but
0: I think one of the good things about social media that has occurred is that on any given holiday that it, that happens, there is always a slew of reminders around the basics of whatever that holiday is. Mm. And it just like is helpful for en- myself, anybody to like, remember the context of the thing and the root of the, you know, the celebration or the remembrance that like, I don't think I had before, mm-hmm. you know, especially for holidays that we are recognizing more in modern times, whether Jewishly, you know, things like to which has become a very popular holiday in America for American Jews or things in America generally like Juneteenth, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like the, these mm-hmm. kinds of, Recappy reminders, I think, are so great, which is part of the reason why I loved his questions so much. It's like, yeah, let's go back to the beginning and yeah, why
1: you know. not just before we move on? Let's just, what does this whole thing, what yeah. does the word mean? Yeah, fair. Yeah, and I love when kids ask because I think that's a question that most adults wouldn't be able to answer and might not have felt comfortable to submit.
0: Yeah, so I very true. That. I love it. That's a gift.
1: Thank you, Fisher.
0: Thanks, Fisher. All right. Question, part two.
1: Hello, Rabbi. This is Sharon Minsky-Drews. For me, when I was growing up, Hanukkah was all about playing dreidel, making latkes, lighting candles, and receiving a few pieces of yummy chocolate gelt on the first night. Every year, there seems to be such hype surrounding Hanukkah gifts, which made me think, when exactly did the victory of the Maccabees and the miracle of how the oil in the temple stayed lit for 8 days even though there was barely enough left for one day turn into an 8-night gala of extravagant gift-giving or should there even be any gift-giving at all thanks it's interesting because people consider guilt to be a tradition but the gifts guilt was the first gift you know i mean mm-hmm. gelt, money and like right. get a little something yeah to get yourself a little something currency currency yeah, yeah. to get Something guilt. It's funny, and
0: it's I love every every culture seems to have a form of of guilt. Mm-hmm. Like Lunar New Year, you have the little red envelope, you know, with a dollar in it, like that kind of thing. Everyone has a version of that. That that then, at some point, turns into like, as Sharon was saying, extravagant gifts over time.
1: Right. I mean, she's asking great question about again. I feel like uh, the question of origin story versus today's observance. Mm-hmm. Origin story versus observance. I mean, are those are they in conflict? Are, did it morph and, and take a funny turn? Mm-hmm. I mean, how did something like Cupid and Valentine's Day, I know I've given this example before, but like turn into roses and chocolate and, you know,
0: yeah.
1: How? when did that even happen? And I don't even know if, I, you know, I don't consider my, an ex, myself an expert in like how everything went from its original version to today. But sometimes I do think people ask the question, Which is like sort of adjacent to Sharon's, or or maybe it is tucked into Sharon's. Hers was so well stated. Um, Like, is this supposed to be about gifts, or or (sighs) have we like somehow perverted the original intent? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, does it dilute the meaning if you're also giving expensive gifts? Right.
1: And did it just become commercial? And we all sort of. You know, we all have a very mixed relationship with the commercialization of holidays in Mm -hmm. cultures in general. But we don't we don't have a monopoly on that. I mean, every culture, if there's an opportunity to monetize something and and maybe have a little fun in the meantime, we're going there. Yeah, it's not. It's just it's not enough crime. I think sometimes people are like, oh, it's so commercial now. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, okay, what isn't? I just think like I, I just I try not to fight that too hard. Yeah, but. You know, I don't and, and I think the most important thing I would say about this from my perspective is from from my perspective as a rabbi, I don't find the the, the presence of gifts to be anathema to the theme of the holiday. I think there was a pillaging mm-hmm. of a space and we moved from, you know, absolute scarcity and violent violation of our space to light and abundance and a, yep. and a re furnishing Mm -hmm. and building of our beautiful space, Mm -hmm. the desire to want to like clean that out and bring in beautiful stuff. And I don't think gift giving is in conflict with the spirit of the thing. I think about the difference between feeling scarcity and feeling abundance and feeling violated and then feeling spoiled. You Uh know, it's like, it's like a compensatory and in a time of darkness, we bring light. In a time of feeling like everything was taken away, we give gifts. Yep. You know that. I love that aspect of it. You know, I, I think how how we navigate the gifts and um, think about meaning in that mm-hmm. is is a challenge for every individual because I know people where gifts are really their love language and. And so, you know, I live with some of them, and I I think uh, (laughs) uh, it's not mine. So I feel like I'd much rather have the time, or I'd much rather have a conversation than Uh a wrapped thing that doesn't really. Right. I I don't really want that thing, or maybe I do. But if I had, I I don't really need it. Yeah,
0: I'm not a gift person either. uh, In terms of receiving them, we've talked before. I don't know if it was on the podcast or not, but about like giving gifts and how enjoying that more. But I, what I like about. Uh, My family celebrates Christmas and Hanukkah and those I tried to think about like like what is what is the point of those two holidays thematically that I can be thoughtful of like giving gifts to people in my family. Ones that are not expensive, like we're not expensive gift givers or we try not to be, you know, me and Kristen. But like ones that like are accompanied by the note with our intention or the the Mm -hmm. display of the intention that people get it. You know, mm. of and like we're really we're really bad at buying things on registries because it just doesn't feel like for us. Like so uh, the intention of what we're trying to provide isn't there, even if that's what someone wants. like yeah Because they want it. They want it. But it's also it doesn't feel like it's coming specifically from us to them. In yeah, a maybe you way. just
1: don't like registries because it's like it doesn't really matter who gives it to me. I just want it.
0: It's just uh, yeah, the I'm thing, gonna you, get you it. you may need it, and you know, like baby registries, it's stuff you need, and that makes total sense. While you want the Dr. Brown's bottle set or whatever, but it doesn't feel quite as I don't know. It doesn't have the depth, and so I try <laughs> to like really, along with the, whatever someone's requesting, try to add a little piece. You know, like we've been sending these little mini pennants, wall pennants. You know, that have like the kids names and stuff like that. And then we always try to like write real letters to people, mm-hmm. you know, that have that and try to give some gifts of, you know, heart with it, which is hard because I feel like out of practice on that a lot. You know, Well, and
1: especially I think it's always hard to speak in a love language that isn't yours. Mm-hmm. So you keep inserting your love language into the gift giving <laughs> because right. you feel like that's just how love language works. If anybody uh-huh. hasn't, done any exploration of the five love languages it's a it's a great book you know and it was it's written from a very christian perspective and it's 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 such a it makes so much sense when you read it that it helps in almost every relationship i mean Mm -hmm. now there's like the five love languages for children for parenting for the workplace because really you don't need any of them but the main one which is like which which of these five things makes you feel loved and appreciated when it is expressed to you Mm. or offered to you. And, you know, we all do this. So gifts is one of them, as is physical affection, Mm -hmm. acts of service, time, time and words of affirmation. And and most people have like one main one and then a couple side dishes.
0: Yeah. Um, What's yours? Words of affirmation?
1: I think time Time. and definitely service. I I, Uh. I think I don't you know, I. Gifts are the lowest, Mm -hmm. you know.
0: For me too, gifts and words for me are the lowest. Time is by far number one, like a 99% time yeah. Yeah, spent is definitely
1: less. You're good at words for someone who doesn't have words in your life. I don't need it
0: for myself but I like doing it for others I think the love language thing goes two ways right? no
1: but the, you know one of the interesting concepts in the book or uh-huh. the exploration is that you can often tell what someone's love language is mm. by what they express that's why what's interesting oh, in, about oh, you gotcha. is that you're writing these letters and then you're saying words aren't your love language I don't believe you <laughs>
0: I feel like at least once a podcast, you say, I don't believe you, just something <laughs> very specific that I said about myself. You're like, nope. Wrong. <laughs> nope. Not true.
1: Here's my yeah. love
0: language correcting people,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> making edits in the podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, yeah, so I think, I mean, the love language thing is really great. And I think that is a great thing to do with family before the holiday season.
1: We'll figure it out. It's nice to figure it out because most people will, if given those five choices, pick one that they're like definitely this. And then once you learn what somebody's is, you can then then the ball's in your court about whether you want to like try totally to like meet them there. And I still suck at giving gifts, excuse the language. But like I have one son that's really important to him. And Mm. guess what? He is the best at it in our family. Mm. He always even though I'm like, I don't really like gifts. He'll get me something. And I'm like. I, even even if immediately I'm like, I didn't know I needed this. It becomes something really important to me over mm. time. And he does this consistently for everybody. Wow. Like my uh, he gave a gift to our other son of an Apple Watch, which our son spent five years saying he didn't want an Apple Watch. <laughs> then he finally gets him the Apple Watch and... He wears it every day now. I mean So like, the
0: so the you're wrong thing really carries through into your children too.
1: Oh, a, yeah, again, it's it's a main love language for me. <laughs> Expressive. But that, I don't mind being told that them myself
0: either. Me either. That's impressive though. The, yeah the gutsiness of that.
1: Yes, it is gutsy and it's he's he has to fight the rest of us. Yep. But he's v- I think he's very good at it also expressively, not just receptively. Mm-hmm. So I mean I think You know, Sharon's question, I think there's always this sliver of shame around gifts. Like, if if it matters to us, we're superficial. Sure. But that's not so. I think if you love gifts, if you're the kind of person that if if something sits in front of you and it's a wrapped gift and your heart flutters, Mm -hmm. then the people around you should know that. And that should be an aspect of Hanukkah for you. Mm. And, And pay attention to the people around you. Because, like, we have mentioned, I, words are important to me, so I love a letter, a love letter right. from anybody, just with a generous expression in that way. And I could never have another wrapped gift as long as I live and probably be perfectly yeah. fine. So you're saying, own it. Own it, for sure. But also, like have the real conversation with people around you about what feels like it is light and love mm-hmm. at this season, because we all need that. Right. We need it from the people around us, and most people around us you know, I think it's good if you spend time with people who would care to hear.
0: And there are ways to get great gifts for people for each love language, too. For sure. You know, like, my, my dad is a real, like, time-spent person. And so the gifts that I give him are always around, like, things he can do with my mom. And, mm. you know, Not like, with you, though? No, nah, we don't live in the same place. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, concerts and, you know, this, like, these kinds of things. It's always an activity that him and my mom can do mm. together. You know what I mean? So, so nice. I think there's also ways to, like take these things and even if you're far from someone right you know that you can make it work for them i think that i think that like a detective the detective work of buying great gifts for people is a lot of fun i know you say you're not a great gift giver so i'm interested why
1: i think i i i don't know why i mean i hope it's not a like a major empathy deficit that I can't like think of it. But if I ask my son Seth, like he always can come up with a good idea for somebody. And I think he he's always paying attention to what people really like and he mm. can come up with it. And I I don't know. I.
0: This is good family teamwork.
1: Yeah. I mean, Sharon's question, I think, also has this aspect of. Like. Are we are we far afield from the intent of the original intent of the holiday? And as I keep saying, I think we we maybe we could be. I don't know. I mean, it's so many thousands of years. Sure. You know that I think. I I sometimes wonder if people want. I don't know if Sharon's asking this. I don't know, but if people want the legitimacy of the origin story to permit getting off some mm-hmm. part of the ride that they don't like, you know, right. yeah. or, or or to be affirmed that it's okay if if some of it feels like it's morphed significantly from the original. Yeah. Like, is that okay? And I, I think it has to be okay because, like we talked about with the rope a moment ago, yeah. if it looks different, does that mean we've messed something up or have we made an adaptation that allows for our survival and thriving even thousands of years later? I think
0: in the, in the exploration of what the holiday means of which we've been doing now for a few weeks, it's like there are so many different elements to it that you can take a piece of that and think about your gift giving around that, whether it's dedication or light, you know, and Mm -hmm. these things and, and you can tell people that like, I think people would probably react really Warmly, I mean, warmly in the sense of like feeling feeling warm inside to be like, oh, you, this is the way you're approaching gift giving this se- this season, and I'm part of that. is such like a thoughtful, I think, way to do it, and and have physical material manifestations of that intent. Uh, it's like, why not? You know, there's I don't think there's anything wrong with that if that's the way you want to do it. Like I I, I feel badly when. I I'm, I think that one of the challenges with gift giving is the expense of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And one mm-hmm. thing I've seen on social media, you know, I think a lot of people have seen on social media is kids get it like toddlers getting gifts of basically nothing and being thrilled. Like, like a box. You, yeah. A box or like a banana or an avocado. There's like a very famous viral video of Katie getting an avocado and unwrapping it and being like an avocado and just being like the most excited, you know? That. And like that, I think that is such a, you know, like a compass for me <laughs> of like, you know, just like the simplicity of like, come on, we don't have to be ridiculous here, you know, and you can, and it can still be really, really sweet.
1: You right. Know? Right. I've shared that I love to read like the advice columns in all the newspapers. That's like mm-hmm. a favorite. Whatever newspaper it is, I'm curious about the advice column. And often this time of year, people write in, I've noticed over the years that I've been sort of obsessed with the advice columns. <laughs> Um, that pain points around gift giving are often written like either... Do you ever see... I don't know if other people are advice column or the ethicist or the social cues in the New York Times, but it's like grandparents that write in like, I remember every grandchild and great grand nephew and niece on their birthday with a check and I never get a thank you note. Mm. Should I keep sending it? <laughs> and I really resonate with that. Yeah. I think that's that thank you notes are important. Yeah, and I think like it says something that that what does that say to me not that that i think this grandparent or great aunt is so needy but that gift giving is actually a reciprocal experience
0: yes okay there is no
1: giving without receiving and being a generous giver to an ungracious receiver is not a oh, satisfying experience
0: worst. that is such the worst
1: so i i think it's worth exploring i've been sort of a student of this for some time like why are wh- this trope continues or like, you know, our family has decided we don't want to have the expense and aggravation of gift giving, but we're going to a party where everybody gives gifts. Are we allowed to come with no gift, or are we allowed to say we mm. won't be needing one and we won't be bringing one? And how do we navigate this? And like, oh, how do how are we not like a Scrooge or like are the spoil sport of the whole experience? But right. we really don't want to engage in it. we or we. Another one that is is that's often, a little
0: like going to someone's house for dinner and not eating
1: anything. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm just not going to eat. I'm not going to bring anything, but I promise I won't eat. Yeah. It's yeah. Exactly. Now the whole experience is off. Maybe yeah. just forget the whole thing, <laughs> but like also people who will write in and be like, we've decided to just collect our funds and the funds we would have spent on gifts for Tadaka or, and I'm like, well, some people are going to be really bummed about that for sure. Cause there's no giving and receiving in your midst and it right. doesn't, maybe it can be an avocado
0: totally but like or a note the
1: act or yeah a letter or a like setting time. a date to hang out mm-hmm. to
0: do something together you know
1: yep but but what I think is lost in this you know fretting over the commercialization or the fact that maybe we've become too superficial about things um, is a, a like a, a lack of full appreciation for the magic of giving and receiving in the human experience mm-hmm. and to be in both roles to be a an incredibly gracious receiver, and to be a generous giver. And what happens in the intersection in that moment is very holy. Mm-hmm. People feeling something. And nobody, you know, I think even really generous people, which I learned from this, like, so to speak, column from a great aunt, in the <laughs> is that generous people don't want it going vaporizing. The reason people sort of lean generous is because it feels good to express that and have someone Mm -hmm. be on the receiving end in a really like receptive way. Yeah. Not just crickets.
0: Right. Yuck. Are you good at writing the thank you notes? Yes. What's your advice on how to be good at writing thank you notes? Well, my
1: current thought about thank you notes is I've really, really let up on the handwritten. Like I think an email or a sweet text is fine too. Oh, I really do. I mean, I, I think in this day and age, it's okay. I know that there's some beauty in the handwritten note, and I imagine there are people of listeners that would be rolling their eyes at that and being like, "Oh no, <laughs> no!" And I, I think a handwritten note is preferable. But in the spirit of like, you know, good being the enemy of, or perfection being the enemy of good enough, sure. or whatever that expression. Yep. You. Yeah. You got it. Something like that. <laughs> uh, I feel like I just butchered that, but the. Um, I think people are are. Just to be in touch um, and make sure with a few well chosen words, a well placed text is is a really lovely thing too.
0: And now that you can send voice note texts, mm-hmm. like the voice note text, I think is a great alternative. Thank you to writing handwritten thing.
1: It's a great idea, and I think our like this generation w- that people criticize for being whatever this generation is criticized for. Every generation that's the freshest is right. criticized yeah, for what sure. they don't get. Of course, but I think. The connectivity and the willingness to be right there um, is something they do really well. I mean, I have I have communication with a lot of people of this generation. I find them very communicative Mm -hmm. and um, responsive Mm -hmm. and and really the same values are at play. Like they don't like to be ghosted any more than we like crickets from a gift. You know, I mean, nobody likes crickets.
0: Right. I love writing thank you notes. I, I just feel like it's it's it forces us slowing down and like you know, thinking about like it's it's easy to say I think it's really easy to say thank you, but it's much more challenging to say thank you specifically.
1: The specifics are the I mean, I'm the specifics are everything. Yeah.
0: This everything. Have you ever gotten a thank you note that you remember? Anything that stuck with you?
1: I mean, I love beautiful thank you notes that I get when, I mean, in this line of work, there mm. there's often a very holy moment. I, I remember when, after I gave birth to our first son, that the doctor came in the next day, and I was like, like, remember when we had that baby together? <laughs> you were in the room and we had that baby. Like, I felt like when I saw him, I was like, Remember when we had that incredibly holy moment, that once in a lifetime moment for me, and you were there? Yeah. Like, and he was just rounding yeah. that morning. He's just like,
0: Hey, how are you feeling? Yeah. And I'm
1: like, Oh my God, there you are. Remember when we did that thing? And I, I think of him often. Because I have the great honor of being invited into people's lives in in once-in-a-lifetime moments. Mm. You know, b'nai mitzvah, blessings for babies, weddings, of course, but even death passages. Mm. And I, frankly, I find the thank-you notes that I get that reflect what those moments felt like that we shared. Mm -hmm. Um, Why what we co-created in those rituals lives in people's hearts on and on. That feels very nice to hear mm. because I frequently feel like I'm I'm intersecting in people's very holy moments. And then, you know, I get in the car and go home right. and and their like, life has changed. And I think about them and I think about it and and I wonder how it lands for them. And sometimes when people have the generosity to share a little bit of that in a note, even if it's a text, it's fine. It feels really nice to know that didn't just vaporize
0: yeah wow interesting i never thought about that before but that's fascinating how does it feel to be like the person at the that's the vertex of these i mean you must have done thousands of these kinds of life cycle quote-unquote life cycle events at this point like does it still does it still get you in like the in the heart
1: yeah and then sometimes like one time somebody sort of said it was a while ago years ago somebody i was at it was a bar mitzvah. I I want to say it was bar mitzvah and something really got me and I was weeping. That happens often, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, the cantor's a crier, too. I mean, I and somebody <laughs> said to me, oh, my God, you're crying like in this really funny way. Like there was a little bit like, what the heck is wrong with you? And I'm like, I think the day that like I don't get weepy in these uh-huh. moments that is like how checked out. OK, I'll I'll just go numb and then I won't weep at all. Right. I mean, we we frequently weep and laugh at most occasions that, that's so, that we are that's so a, cool. a clergy for because it's beautiful or powerful or sad and we're really there for it. Yeah. And that's the, like we weren't like falling apart. I just, I felt that there was some like judgment in that comment that mm-hmm. like w- <laughs> you can't even hold it together while you're in charge. Yeah. I'm like, nope.
0: nope. I, I think I find now that we're on this subject, I f- find that people find ways to give thank you notes in, in, Many ways that are not thank you notes. Yes, you know, and I, I, I think because of the way I was brought up, uh, it was very much like you write a thank you note to every person who, and like you expect that back, and if they didn't write you a thank you note, you know, like they didn't quite fulfill. But I just have found that like, I have, people have thanked me for things that I didn't think I needed to be thanked for, in all these different ways. And the one that's coming to my mind right now is, many years ago, I worked um, at a synagogue in LA. And there was a, when I first started there, there was a family that I knew because the kids went to the camp where I had al- also worked, two girls who were young teenagers. And, and their dad, right when I started working at the temple, their dad passed away very tragically, very suddenly. And mm-hmm. I went, it was, this was like my first week of work or something. And I went to the funeral and it was outside and I was, I remember standing there and, like, seeing the girls from afar mm-hmm. and, like, you know, making eye contact with them in passing and passing
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and, you know, like, didn't know what to do, didn't know what to say, didn't really get to talk to them. There was hundreds and hundreds of people there. And then many years later, um, mm. one of those girls, the older girl, like, wrote an essay about that funeral. And it was the essay was a thank you note to me for being there. And, oh, I just, I can feel it all. And she, like, wrote specifically about, like, seeing me there and making eye contact and the, the connection of her temple life and camp life and, like, that there was someone there that knew her when her dad was alive and someone who will be there afterwards and all these things. Uh, it was, I've, you know, a senior essay, as a thank you to me about this thing that to me was just like, I just felt like I should be there. And we had like one second of seeing each other. And I had no idea Mm -hmm. that it meant anything to this girl who we became very close as like um, student, student and teacher. But I had no idea that that very early experience had like stuck with her over time. And I asked her mom about it and she was like, oh yeah, like that was a thing for her. And she just, this is her way of saying thank you to you five years later or four years later or whatever it was, but so people will unexpectedly, (laughs) it'll get there, you know? Yeah.
1: It's a hell of a story.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I love that kid. I mean, she's not a kid anymore. Yeah. She's like a full amazing adult, but.
1: Well, I think there's so much beauty in that story and so much power in our expansive understanding of the way we intersect one another's lives and what defines a gift. Yeah. I mean, Sharon asks True. a question that presumes we sort of picture as she was laying it all out, we just picture, you know, the gilt and the yep. blue and white and gold yep. decorations yep. and yep. the menorahs and the and the presents in the same blue foil. You know, we're all picturing the scene she paints. Mhm. And that's a beautiful scene. I mean, that's a really Jewish-y scene, Mm -hmm. as is the one you just painted. And the way we think about giving and receiving, the way we think about gifts that we are in one another's lives just by our mere presence, perhaps the invitation here as we conclude this conversation is to be much more elastic and expansive in our understanding of the possibility of gift giving in various forms and
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and our real powerful responsibility and honor in expressing gratitude when that happens mm-hmm. and being generous in both roles, giving and receiving. Sometimes people forget that the generosity as a receiver is a huge mitzvah as well. Mm-hmm. There's this great teaching in the Talmud about what a good guest should say. I ah. love this. What do you say when you're a guest? And, mm. you know, it's not just mm-hmm. thank you. It's yep. it's actually just addresses so much of what you said with specificity. Mm. The Talmud goes through this paragraph of like you walk into the house and you're like, look at all the trouble this Post has gone <laughs> right. for me. Look at this beautiful table. Uh-huh. Look at how clean and sparkly this house is. Look at the steps it took to make this meal. Look at this delicious wine. Look at these flowers on the table. Look at the company. Like the, the Talmud goes like step by step through all of the like taking apart the steps of what it took to create that mm-hmm. moment. And I think what the Talmud is teaching there is as a receiver. When when you got that note it ended up detailing the impact of every effort you made to go there and be there and stand there with your full heart right like attentive and with eye contact and with presence no words that that actually was an effort on your part and every bit of that effort was noted and it Mm -hmm. tucked into a chamber of her heart that lives there forever
0: yeah yeah absolutely that's fascinating
1: that, and that the answer, like in our culture, we frequently, when somebody says thank thank you, we usually answer with two very not Jewish things. One is no problem, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no problem, um, or you know it was no big deal. Some version, yeah, yeah. no worries, like yeah. but as, as if he, as if it was. No
0: effort at all. All good. Right. Sometimes I love
1: to tell the story that like frequently when before the pandemic and before. In the before times, we would make a lot of hospital visits Mm. and frequently people would say to me when I made a hospital visit. Well, I hope you didn't come. I hope there's another person in the hospital. Like, I hope you didn't come just Just for for me. me. Right. Yeah. I hope you didn't make a special trip. And I would always say. I did. I made a special trip for you. Is mm-hmm. it was worth it?
0: How did people react to that?
1: They would like laugh or. Sure. And I would usually say, like, this isn't. You're worth it. Like, I don't say. Yeah. I mean, what would it be like if I was like. Well, obviously, I wouldn't have come <laughs> just for you. Yeah. There was yeah. another person in the hospital, and that person seemed. Uh, and sp- you
0: were just close enough that yeah, I Yeah, I mean, I, I just,
1: uh, you know, if, frankly, I didn't have to exert any effort. You were practically just on the next floor. I mean, at this point, I just might as well come see you. Right. I mean, you're. I'm already here. Like, would that, but why don't we believe that? But right to your question of when, when I would say, no, I, I made a special trip. And mm-hmm. I was—I'm happy to do it. Mm. Like I, of course, like similar to the Talmud. Like I had to make time in my schedule. I had to get in the car. I had to find a parking spot in the hospital, which is not always easy. Mm-hmm. Then I had to walk in. I don't know where your room is. Most right. people don't know the war, the layout of a hospital. Mm-hmm. You have to ask a few people. Sometimes you get a little lost. Sometimes you have to push a little button. Get in. Be let in. It's a whole thing. Now I'm here. Worth it. Uh, worth it. Worth every bit of that exertion. And I'd do it again. Yeah. Not no worries. It was nothing. I was here anyway.
0: I mean, I love the idea of thinking about in the gift receiving aspect of like spending just a, an extra second of being like thinking about all the steps it took for someone to think about, acquire and present you with the thing that they're giving you. Right. Of Just like a, just that little extra internal appreciation for all those steps is so good. And I mean, that obviously is Hanukkah relevant, but certainly uh, generally relevant in the efforts that people make, you
1: know? Totally. I mean, so many of the lessons of the specific occasions are meant to have echoes into our lives all the time. It's just that the occasion sort of brings it to the fore. And I'm really grateful that Sharon asked this question because one of my favorite conversations is around gift giving and receiving yep. and the more metaphorical or potentially um as we said expansive view of what defines it
0: mm-hmm. thank you sharon for the great question thank you fisher love for it your great question too happy hanukkah everyone happy and hanukkah. we'll see you in january for quest for the questions live love. check out your email and we'll see you soon